If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is The Rundown, live on the Restoring the Faith Media YouTube channel. Thanks for letting me do this on this channel, Steve. Normally, we're found on the Census Fidelium channel, where the Fab Four gather to talk about the biggest news from a Catholic point of view in the world. This is probably our last rundown show. No promises. We might do another one. Apple a day keeps the bishop away, first story. Then, vaccine madness. People who oppose the vaccine are dropping dead. Nuke hack. DOD not sharing information anymore. General Flynn calling for martial law. Biden seating his cabinet, even though, is he going to be president? We don't even know. Nativity disgustingness. And uh, predictions for 2021. This is the rundown. And we're started already. How are you guys? How are you, Mike? Proud to be here. Not bad, not bad. Okay, first of all... Coffee's pouring, almost there. Ryan is pouring his coffee, (laughs) and he said, hey, how much time can you give me? I said, well, I'll give you a 60-second lead-in. That wasn't enough time, ladies and gentlemen, and he's the one who came up with the story, an apple a day keeps the bishop away. He likes apples. (sighs) You know, uh, so the, the Archbishop of Miami just took the Magavax, uh, and he and he put it out on so Instagram. Will Smith, you're gonna talk about Miami. What's that? You gotta play with some Will Smith. You're gonna talk about Miami. You know Miami. Welcome to Miami. I think the yes. I think the only music I have preloaded is Tutti Fruity, <laughs> which we can play if you want to hear Tutti Fruity. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's not that's not irrelevant to everything that's going on. No, it's kind of like the background sequence to 2020, right? I mean, yeah. 2020, 2020 is one of those crazy years. Well, we're going off script here, obviously. But Tootie Fruity <laughs> is sort of like the, it is the culmination of 2020. It is the, it is the um, love letter to modernism. It's so much stuff going on. Yep. That, that, that the uh, Vatican Symposium for Youth is all revolved around Latato seeing Tootie Fruity. 
<laughs> Ryan, I'm gonna full screen you. Can you tell us about this thing, this apple a day thing? I I still don't get it. Okay. The bishops have come out and there are various mouthpieces, and they've all declared that it is an act of charity to get this new experimental, untested vaccine whose side effects will only continue to be known over the next 10 years or more and which will have require multiple doses and who knows what this thing's going to do to you ultimately and 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 just to put it out there i'm not anti-vaccine i'm not vaccines don't work blah 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 um you know i i do worry about some of the adjuvants they put in i don't like the moral the ethics of uh, developing from aborted fetal cell lines but more importantly even the i mean that's the aborted fetal cell lines is hugely important. But what these vaccines are that they're currently putting out, which use synthetic RNA and use that to train your body to reproduce this synthetic RNA, uh, actually, which means it's rewriting your cells, ultimately. And that's supposed to train it to fight the COVID, apparently. Um, so the bishops are coming out and basically saying that you are obligated, you know, if it's an act of charity, an act of charity is for your neighbor is something that you are generally obligated to do unless some very, um, uh, you know, some, some, something intervenes that would require you not to do it. So for example, if you, um, you know, you see your neighbors in need, you see somebody out there, you know, asking for money you know, some, some bum in the street or something like that. And, you know, there, you know, there's an epidemic of people that are constantly either using money for drugs or alcohol. And you're like, well, I don't want to contribute to that. So you don't give him money out of fear that he might make, do something worse with it. So instead you, uh, you get him some food mm-hmm. right, or something of that sort. And, and then, you know, cause he's not going to use that, um, you know, and that type of thing. So with this, you know, an act of charity is something that you're, you're required to do for your neighbor. And so the bishops are kind of browbeating you with religion to get this vaccine. So that's why I yeah, say yeah. no, no, I, I, I pulled up the you image. Stay healthy and then you keep them at, at bay. I've got the image um, pulled up. This is, a, this is a quotation from Archbishop Joseph Nauman. He's the Archbishop of Kansas City, Kansas, not Kansas City, Missouri. There are two KC uh, bishops in play here. This is the guy on the Kansas side, and he happens to be the, the first um, non-cardinal to have been elected as the chairman of the USCCB's Committee on Pro-Life Activities. He's supposed to be the guy who's guarding the lives of the unborn and standing against abortion in all cases, right? And this guy comes out and 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 has this quote. It says, Receiving the COVID vaccine ought to be understood as an act of charity towards the other members of our community. The document in which he re- he says this goes on to say that, uh, well, COVID is so grave because of the grave nature of COVID. We really need to, we really need to take the vaccine. And you, then you saw the archbishop in Miami is the first uh, member of the Episcopate to take the poison. Um, he then got back on his Harley and went back to his beachfront penthouse where he lives with his male secretary. Um, anyway, so it's it's a little weird, right? It's a little weird that the that the episcopate, that the entire hierarchy in the United States is caving. I saw the bishop down in South Texas in Brownville put out a document uh, similarly saying, Brother Martin, that uh, that there is no remote cooperation with evil and it's perfectly reasonable to take this. I saw, I know you've been on Twitter absolutely refuting this guy, Jimmy Martin S.J., 
full full of lisps, you might say, uh, has has been defending this guy down in Brownville, uh, saying that he's an intellectual and to be taken very seriously, brother. Yeah, I think that was also uh, Father Hildebrand on, on Twitter as well. Uh, bishop Flores is the bishop of Brownsville, Texas. It's right on the border. Um, he was actually recently appointed to uh, one of the cha- the chair of, for for doctrine in the USCCB, and so he's gotten a bit of a voice and in a sense some credibility behind behind a statement, which is why I guess he's he's feeling bold uh, to say these kinds of things. Uh, it's in complete contradiction to something that uh, Bishop Snyder and his his bishop in in Kazakhstan, as well as uh, something signed by Bishop Strickland. A document saying uh, abortion is so grave and so, uh, I mean, is that, is genocide. It's genocide. It, it, it's something that uh, it, it cannot be uh, reduced to just any other kind of immoral act like uh, stealing or um, adultery or, or something along those lines. Um, it, it's so grave. Six, 63 million children, uh, innocent children slaughtered. And here we are just going to kind of pass that off for our own personal benefit. Uh, it's insane. You, you don't ever place your own life above that of another or try to make uh, money or profit off of someone someone dying. Yeah, no, it's uh, sick. It's and possible. one of the things I learned in my interview with Pam Aker, which uh, actually Steve was so kind to to set up and, and make sure it happened. And by the way, Steve has an interview, uh, probably a better interview because he's got a priest interviewing her uh, on his channel, Census of Adelium. Be sure and subscribe. But Steve, I mean, I didn't know... That you know, even just to produce re- the rubella vaccine, ninety-nine different children were aborted uh, in the creation of that vaccine. I don't know how you can be a bishop and not see what is what's truly happening here. That they there's more there's more aborted fetal cell materials in the chickenpox vaccine, the chickenpox, than there is of any other material in that vaccine. Chickenpox doesn't kill anyone except for those. Who don't get it until they're twenty years old because half the population has been vaccinated. You don't get it as a kid anymore, Steve. Yeah, Pam brought that up about the chickenpox thing. I thought that was interesting, saying that now that you don't see it, uh, was the nature create nature uh, uh, was it the creates a vacuum, the uh, void comes in, something else comes in. I just screwed that whole bit up, but it's more dangerous now because. No one's getting sick early. You're getting a worse thing later because nature, you can't, nature fights back type deal. You're putting all this fake stuff in, and it's it's, it's incredible that you listen to Pam. Why do it's it's mind blowing how the stuff she's she knows from her experience in this stuff. I mean, had literally no clue about all that even after reading the book and all this. Uh, Oh, she's great. Get the book. Watch her interviews. She's got three on my channel now. Um, but no, have you seen RFK? The RFK clip from a couple months ago, was it? About a month or two ago? He's sitting there with... Uh, guy just got kicked off YouTube. Oh, yeah, and yeah, talk- yeah. And RFK, he's got the raspy voice problem, right? Yeah, I can't remember the disease it's called. Yeah. Uh, he's basically talking about the history of coronavirus vaccines. Mm-hmm. And he mentions how... Pretty much, it's never worked. It's it's terrible. It's bad. They put in ferrets, and uh, then all of a sudden, a new strain comes out, and guess what? All the ferrets die. And funny, what happened just last week was the United Kingdom comes out and says, or Hannah, Hannah, Mac Hannah, warns of a new variant of the Rona uh, has assisted rapid spread across the UK. 
Well, speaking of people just dropping dead randomly, Ryan, uh, Brandy Vaughn, who is a noted anti-vaccine activist, found dead. I mean, this is like this is reminiscent of, you know, people from the Bernie Sanders campaign who opposed Hillary Clinton just randomly popping up dead. And with, you know, and it's ruled as suicide even when they shoot themselves in the back of the head Mm -hmm. twice. Right. So this is a case of a woman she ran. She used to be a Merck executive. Okay, so she's from within the industry. She knows how this stuff was produced. She worked on a number of projects for them. So I'm trying to pull the article back up that I had. Um, So in, in, in just recently, too, she was with a friend and she said, if anything happens to me, you know, take care of my son and help him to, you know, you know, raise him. I'm sorry, I'm looking down. So I'm trying to find the story again. Um, Wait, I sent it in our. Our, our Dropbox there. Yeah. So she ran a website on this stuff, and she was one of the better um, better ones. Because, I mean, with people who are trying to alert, you know, bring out information on vaccines, uh, it's, you know, you get people who know what they're talking about, and you get people who don't. So Brandy Vaughn, she was 45. Um, in this case, it wasn't ruled a suicide. It was ruled death by nas- uh, natural causes. Right, and that's what they say. Vaughn, a former Merck pharmaceutical representative, was an outspoken critic of mandatory vaccinations and pharmaceutical companies. She founded non- the nonprofit organization Learn the Risk in a bid to educate people on the dangers of pharmaceutical products, including vaccines and unnecessary medical treatments, according to its uh, to its website. So, in thinking about this too, the medical industrial complex, that is what we generally call the, the healthcare industry, the medical system, it kills 500,000 Americans a year in uh, malpractice, bad treatments, opioid over, o- overdoses, prescribed opioid overdoses, and you name it. And that's more people than the fake numbers for COVID, right? Frankly, going to the hospital is more dangerous for you then, then, then the chance you're going to catch COVID, okay? Just because of the, the the idiocy and the incompetence and the the again, like we talked about with the chicken pox, this whole idea we're going to rearrange nature, we're going to, uh, you know, science will do better than nature itself, and that hasn't proven to be true in a lot of cases. And, and chicken pox is one of them. You get these mad scientists working on things. Nobody stops and asks if we should. And that, I, again, I mean, circling it back to the bishops now coming out that we have this this responsibility to be charitable to our neighbor, mm-hmm. to get this untested experimental vaccine. It's like, you know, there, there's various principles in the tradition. They want to talk moral theology. Oh, the church has moral theology. We have all these principles to judge these things. And they don't use any. No, they don't. They ignore the guys who say contrary. And the, one, uh, the ones who are I mean, coming out on Twitter, Ripper. too, Ryan, I, I you know, right. they, they act like all of these things are settled. And they're not as if as if theologians are on the same page about everything at all times. We never need to have a debate about anything. There's no such thing as having a healthy conversation. And uh, oh, by the way, because I'm a priest in some diocese in Rhode Island, let's say, and, uh, you know, my my boomer Novus Ordo parish is dying. I get out on Twitter with my dog. Uh, this this actually I saw this last night and he's saying, uh, you know, my uh, uh, what about my dad? If I if you don't take the vaccine, I can't see my dad because my dad is old. Okay, if you can't appeal to the merits of the case, to the principles of the Catholic Church, to the magisterial teaching, and you have to make an emotional appeal about your dad, then I, I, I'm sorry. I don't believe you. It's also just bullying anyway. Oh, well, we can't do this unless you do it. You know, in the, like you said, this appeal to emotions. 
there's there's nothing in theology or or principles or charity. In fact, it's the most uncharitable argument you can possibly make. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't see my dad unless you go and alter your DNA <laughs> with this untested and unproven experimental vaccine that could even kill you and the nobody's liable for it. But that way I get to do what I, I need to do. You take the vaccine, you I'm not gonna see your dad. You take the vaccine, you go see him if that's what you want to do. I'm not going to stop you. Um, But again, it's like, stop. Think of the logic. If you're vaccinated and your dad is vaccinated, I thought you're going to be okay. Why does it matter if I'm not? Right. You know, oh, you might have a new strain of it. Then what's the vaccine going to do for me anyway? Did you You guys see the nurse? It's just lunacy when you break down all these things. Did you see the nurse that that passed out? She took the vax and then stood before some cameras and... (laughs) And then right. fell over. <laughs> it's, I, I will say on that one, though, I've talked to people, uh, medical people, and they say, well, you know, that is something that does happen. So I wouldn't rest everything on she fainted. So therefore, that's what's going to happen. But it does happen, actually, even in very routine, you know, vaccinations or blood draw or, you know, various other things. I'm surprised they let that one happen, though. I know. It's bad optics. It's horrible. I know. It's just, yeah. Everyone's think, running at with least that make one. sure it wasn't like, live, a lot right? worse. <laughs> If people pass out or go into seizure just because of blood draws. I, I don't. Yeah, I, right. I don't think. I don't think the vaccine is is designed to kill you in in five minutes. Uh, that would that would defeat the purpose. It's supposed to be a long term right. thing. Um, speaking of speaking of bad omens, though, and this was not in the intro, brother Martin. The um, someone saying in the chat that the blood of uh, San Gennaro, the patron of Naples, failed to liquefy, and uh, that this is an omen of bad things. To come, obviously, we're in a weird time, brother. But uh, doesn't it fail to liquefy like all the time? Yeah, every every now and then. And then my question is, you know, why didn't it, li- it liquefy before twenty twenty? And look what happened in twenty twenty. You know, it's like this is when every, you know, when uh, yeah, things are happening. So if it's and once it's a bad omen, I mean, twenty twenty in and of itself has been a bad omen. Uh, I mean, we're all reading the signs of the times, and so it's it's giving us no new news. You know? Look, I'm not trying to ma- I'm not trying to minimalize it, right? Because we 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 should look for signs and 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 all that, and we are <laughs> we're living in strange times. But I don't I just don't think that this is the one. And liquefied definitely gives us hints, but and a liquefied on his feast day this year. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, did it? Okay, so <laughs> all right, that's that's yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna sweep that one under the. Um, but then the whole father shows up randomly, picks up in a liquefies. I think he liquefied twice this year. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Um, we, we've we've talked about vaccines. The other weird thing that's happening is cyber. And um, there are certain things that we can say and certain things we can't say on YouTube because they want to make sure that you only get the truth on this platform. But uh, there have been some hackings. There, we know that the Chinese have hacked us all the way into our nuclear capabilities. But there's no way that they hacked the election. There's that. That's just impossible. The Russians hacked it in 2016, but the Chinese could not hack it in 2020. Correct? Apparently, apparently, election integrity was a big issue for the last four years of uh, hearings and investigations and impeachment. Anyone remember the president was impeached this year? Um, no, and that did yet, happen this year, didn't it? Nothing could possibly <laughs> have been wrong with the elections. It's all, it's all perfectly above board because they got the result they wanted, that they engineered. Mm-hmm. But anyway. <laughs> but that was kind of the, the genius of his executive order, no? uh, President Trump's executive order about uh, hacking of elections, all that kind of stuff. 
So mm-hmm. now, I mean, he knew it was going to happen. So now he can press press play on the executive order. Now I can go, go into effect. Yeah, no, he, he did. Steve, he put out this. Uh, this is what the Q people say, Steve. He put out this uh, executive order in 2018. Yeah, those guys. Foreseeing that all this would happen, giving him the they right the to nullify a, a hacked election two years later. Steve, go. Uh, well, I'm not a Q guy. I'm an R guy. Uh, <laughs> Q from Star Trek? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, that's my favorite character in Star Trek. The episode automatically just takes a turn for the hilarious whenever he exactly, shows Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about that, dude? Uh, no, but uh, Schwab did say a couple months ago that the uh, cyber attack would be worse than the co- the Rona that's coming on right now. And the, the they call it the Corona cyber attack, COVID cyber attack. Now, I don't know why you need to put COVID in front of cyber attack. But it's literally that what they're calling it. And we had yesterday the nuke facility got hacked. Uh, three days ago there was what the uh, fire fire store was it uh, that got hit. Uh, there's all kinds of places going down right now with Trojan. I got horses. a letter in the mail from the DoD saying that my personal information had been compromised. Uh, and good luck with that. Sorry about that. <laughs> At least they sent you a letter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like I already knew know. that. See, why Uncle would you, Sam's got your back. Why, why would you yeah. formalize it in a letter? Uh, I'm sure they sent but, one out to so every when single DOD member. They can say we're sorry. <laughs> just say, hey, sorry, Mike. Here's here's some gin for you. Uh, there thank you. Go. Some uh, Irish gunpowder gin. <laughs> but here's what here's what General Michael Flynn believes should be done in response to all of this. Here's here's his here's his plan to save America. Declare martial law. Trump needs to cross the Rubicon. He is the next Caesar. He needs to suspend freedoms and liberty and the election and declare himself king. That is literally, guys, how many trads are behind this? A ton. I've been fighting people all week about that nonsense. <laughs> uh, like, uh, I mean, yeah, again, it goes back to the whole, hey, let's follow the Constitution. Until we don't want to follow the Constitution. Yeah. Uh, Got to worry about that. But someone brought up Lincoln. I'm going, you do know that guy threw people in jail who didn't agree with them and then fought an unconstitutional illegal war that killed 600,000 people and claimed that it was about slavery, which he didn't care. He wanted to ship slaves off the off the Union. Uh, I, I, I don't get it. Uh, but it goes into the TIP thing, too. I mean. It talks about one of the scenarios is that what happens if Trump doesn't leave. They're going to physically send the military in to pull mm-hmm. him out. Uh, people have literally lost their minds over this stuff. It, it goes back almost in a lazy sense. We don't want to do anything local. We don't want to clean up our state localities. We don't want to try to run for office and get in good people in his stance. I'm not trying to say you know voting is always the thing, but nobody's trying to do anything. Let's kill them all. What? <laughs> That's almost like the lazy man approach. Let's have the military. Go. Oh, you're not in the right. military. So you want the military to go in to fight. And where do they fight? Who's dying? And oh, hey, but we're pro life. I don't think it takes a crystal ball to see that it, it may not be this time around, but sometime in, in the near future, we are going toward that. One historical precedent has passed his prologue. Uh, the fall of the Roman Republic. What are the things that accompany the fall of the Roman Republic? Uh, voter fraud, 
endemic mass voter fraud. I mean, literally, a citizen walking across the streets in Rome, and you're watching people stuff ballot boxes, right? Uh, or finding, you know, votes that are already bought and paid for ahead of time, just waiting to be kind of, you know, brought out on, on uh, voting day and stuffed into your ballot. So, I mean, it, the fraud was so bad. Cato the Younger, when he was censored, which is the, the guy basically who keeps tabs and prosecutes government misconduct, he says that he would prosecute whoever won because there's no way anybody could win fairly and, and uh, without cheating. That's how bad it got. Uh, you have uh, mass, you know... D- popular dissatisfaction with the elites, with the the people who are kind of your or your optimates, to use the Latin term for the people of that time. You know, they're all seen as the oligarchs who run things. And yeah, we the people, we can't get what we need. And so Caesar appeared as your popular, populares candidate. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, built himself up an army across. And so anyways, you have that historical antecedent, how that builds up. And, and, of course, Caesar's success, I mean, his, his watchword was fortuna, luck. And that's where, where you know, it, because he was so lucky, he always came up trumps, pun intended. Um, you know, they hated him even more. And you look at Trump, you know, where he came in and did a lot of things, you know, did things that were good, did things that I'm not so thrilled about. Did, well, but whatever he did, it doesn't really matter. They hated him and hated him even more for his success and his growing popularity. Um, you know, that kind of begs the situation for like a dictator to come in when you have a completely out of touch elite network and people saying, if only we could have this happen. Now, will Trump do that? I, I honestly don't know. But I think that a setup like that is possible in the future. The only thing is that the military is not, at least by, and I don't know, you can help with this, Mike, but, uh, you know, people I know who are veterans, people I know who are currently serving both active military and National Guard. Uh, the military is not going to step in for Trump to to bring about a coup. And this is, this is uh, something that I, seems I like took election. a lot of flack for for tweeting the other day. I said, I am not going to fight a civil war for the a, a competing variant of French revolutionary principles, which is what Trump represents. Mm-hmm. It's Christ the King or bust for me. Right. Look, if there's an opportunity in within the chaos that's coming. For us to establish a Catholic monarchy, great. But I am not going to go out and shoot my fellow citizen uh, for the man, for the orange man, for the orange man who funds Planned Parenthood and develops vaccines that are poison, uses the National Guard to distribute them. Vice President Pence just took the vaccine supposedly today. Uh, he did take that. He took. He took uh, saline. <laughs> He probably did. He probably did. I mean, Trump Trump came out and said, literally, I'm not taking the vaccine up front. The White House, we're not taking it. We're going to wait our turn, ladies and gentlemen. We're we're going to go to the back of the line. We're when the time comes for us to take it, then we'll take it. I mean, he tweeted that. What kind of gaslighting is that? You need to take it, citizen. Obey, obey your bishops, uh, especially in Miami, especially in South Texas. But uh, for the rest of you, uh, the White House, we're exempt. I mean, it's an experimental injection. Hey, no way on God's green earth the overlords are taking an experimental injection that they know about and been prepping for and warp speed this thing, and they're going to be the guinea the guinea pigs, the lab rats. No, there's a video. There's a video someone sent me today that showed that uh, one guy got shot up. There was it was an empty. There was nothing in the needle. <laughs> <laughs> these 
And then, yeah, this this is all farce, man. It, you people are not on the team. So that's the <laughs> thing about the Trump Biden thing. Everyone's upset. It's my team or their team. The Yankees versus Red Sox. Thinking my team's going to win, so we're going to be. You don't get a trophy for it. You don't get a T-shirt from them. You do have to pay taxes. Uh, your team or not, their team, you're not on that team. It's them versus us. <laughs> okay, and I'm glad you. Like, I'm glad you brought up Biden. Guess a perfect segue into the Biden cabinet, uh, because first of all. Uh, Biden's trying to compete with Trump to have the the most disordered and gayest cabinet of all time. That's the only time that word's going to get used. You guys don't say the word. Um, but 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 literally, like it's making news. It is like, oh, for the first time, you know, a, a gay man is is a cabinet member, and Trump's like, wait, I got a gay guy who's a my cabinet member too. So it's like, oh, who's who's the gayest cabinet of all time? It's anybody remember LGBTQ for Trump? There's a picture oh, yeah. holding up the flag, the rainbow flag. Embracing it. This channel's going to get taken down for that little rant. I might have to edit that out later. <laughs> yeah, pundits have said that Trump's the biggest, the most gay, pre- gay friendly president of uh, we've ever had. Uh, but yeah, Biden's coming out with it. There's rumors about the tranny being the Department of Education, uh, diseducation, uh, miseducation mm-hmm. secretary. I'm going, yeah, I mean, you want a Catholic monarchy, you're going to have a Catholic guy that's basically an elected monarch. So technically, you got a Catholic monarchy coming that you didn't want. Yeah, no, it's true. I, and for, for there are some in the chat who are like, what's a Catholic monarchy and stuff? And Ryan, I really want you to weigh in here. But I'll just say this. When you look at, uh, let's, let's just take a publicly traded company. What are they worried about? Quarterly earnings statements. They live and die by quarterly earnings statements and annual. So do you have any confidence that the CEOs and boards of directors of these publicly traded entities have the long-term interests of those enterprises in mind when they're just trying to make their numbers from quarter to quarter? And then when you segue that into political terms from election to election, we live and die every two years. We have midterms. Every four years, we have federal elections. Every two to four years, that's all you have to survive. That's all you think about. Who's thinking about the long-term health of the country? And that is why you would have a noble family who lives and breathes the long-term health of the family. Ryan, go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the, the, the origin of Catholic monarchies are basically in Europe after the fall of the Roman Empire and the, the greater part uh, ends of Northern Europe and whatnot, where former warlords, sometimes former Roman generals, came about and provided, uh, you know, provided a security for people. And then the church would consecrate that and they would uh, anoint, you know, the given person. So now he's God's anointed. And so they would create this relationship of control as well as, um, as well as security. So control of the church, (laughs) the monarch, to, to keep him, uh, you know, to keep him in, in line, basically, so that in, and that's how the, the the arrangements you know arrive. And you're taking you know people who used to be slaves in the Roman Empire, and now you're giving them a quasi bit of freedom, right? So now they have a little bit, not too much, not anything to, men, men today would recognize as freedom, but it's a step up from where they were. And then it just keeps advancing from there to the point where you have this massive situation of uh, nobody has complete and total political control, not even the monarch. He's more limited than any American president ever has been, frankly. And he's limited by the church. He's limited by, you know, the the, the guilds, uh, that is, these professional groups or these corporate bodies of tradesmen that regulate themselves. You don't need massive government bureaucrats, you know, doling out regulations that just benefit large corporations, right? That's how monarchy originally 
you know, came about. And so the, you know, the monarch is basically a monarch for life. And you have a long period where, again, what's the, the good of the country? Because that's also the monarch's personal good. If the monarch is hated, most of them rather detest being hated. Um, <clears throat> with rare exceptions, Louis XIV got away with being hated because um, he, you know, <laughs> he got himself away in, in his own little court in Versailles. But anyway, um, you know, that's royal absolutism. That's not exactly a Catholic idea. Most people, that's another point, too. People confuse absolutist monarchy with Catholic monarchy in the, as it developed in the Middle Ages. And that's just simply not the case. It was rather, you know copying of a protestant of henry the eighth who becomes the first real absolute monarch in europe like actually even more so than the french king and then everyone starts aping that control once the genie is out of the bottle you look at saint thomas though in his book on ruling and he posits a monarchy governed by tradition custom and the church and so that's essentially what you know that that notion that idea of catholic monarchy is that you have this permanent stable government that can look to you know the future whereas you look at I mean, catholic theologians saint robert bellarmine is usually quoted frequently as being this crypto republican as nonsense he hated republics he says it in like five different places the republican government and democratic government are the worst types of government republican government will is always I, this noble I, I, idea but, but, it doesn't but all, all these all these doesn't twitter last. theologians are so fond of saying that saint thomas endorsed democracy and and uh, who's a guy? One of the Gordon brothers wrote a book about how awesome our republic is and how Catholic we are, supposedly. It's like, dude, you don't even read history, man. And sorry, when I thought of him, I had to be like, dude, I don't, you don't want to even read Because I, I, I had to bring it down to that level. Sorry, go ahead. Here's, here's, here's a question, not from the. Here's from my. If I would have chatted it out, I would ask the question What is the largest landmass monarchy that exists? That existed ever? Yeah, like people size. People, uh, not land mass, but say... Well, for a, how long? I mean, you could say Charlemagne, yeah, but that only lasted as long as he lived. And when he died, it got divided up amongst his sons, and then it you know, developed in, a, in a further kingdoms. Um, you could say the Holy Roman Empire, but that the, the monarch there was elected and by, by the electors who were princes of various uh, provinces of the empire. So, you know, that, that, that might be hereditary, might not be hereditary, just kind of until the Habsburgs uh, were more firmly in control mm -hmm. of it. Um, the French, in terms of territory and population, I think France was always one of the biggest monarchies. Because everyone keeps looking at the United States as one visible, a Lincoln term, uh, mm -hmm. country. Uh, basically, Russia, <laughs> if you think about it, if you really want to destroy all the states and call all this one one country, take all the states out with Russia. 320 million people. Okay. This, the founders looked at it as being one of, what was it, uh, Athens, size of Athens, and then split it. So about 30,000 people, the size of a republic, and then you had to break away. That's why you got Kentucky, because... Tennessee got, or, uh, Virginia got too big. Yeah, they had to split that up and give another land. And they wanted to continue to divide and divide and divide and divide until there was four different con uh, confederacies inside the United States, all being different areas, small. You get, what, 8 million people living in New York City? This is not, it's not, when we say secession. That runs that whole landmass of, of New yeah, York the yeah. state. Mm -hmm. You know, it's ridiculous. You have no representation. So if you, someone says this is a republic, uh, find me who, how you're represented. You got one million people to one legislator 
is the ratio. You're not, that's not representation. You're not getting heard. This is a bloated, out-of-scale land. You got to break this thing up and get back to a smaller size. I think there's a Catholic teaching about something like this, you know, like subsidiarity or something like that. But <laughs> the lar large land mass with one guy, we're, we're trying to give all you monarchical power to, to Trump or Biden or whoever's in D.C., it's lunacy. Yeah, it is. Well, people also don't realize that you're basically saying that we want this system where we depend on some phony baloney savior every four to eight years that will promise all sorts of things, maybe deliver one or two at best. And then you look at Obama. Guess what? Guantanamo is still open. Obama never closed it. Obama added more wars to Bush's too. Obama did all sorts of things. I mean, you know, torture continued. CIA torture program actually ramped up under Obama. Well, this is I, I, mean, I think this is why we're really getting, I think this is why we're getting all this news, Ryan and Steve, about um, you know Russian aggression and Chinese hacking because the the deep state really does rely on war hawks, and it doesn't matter if it's Republicans or Democrats. I mean, Obama was the drone president in chief. And uh, although he bailed out of Iraq and let ISIS build, which I think was his strategic plan, to be honest, he called him JV on his way out. Um, he was all over Libya. He's all over Syria. The Syrian crisis happened under his watch. And now, you know, Biden, who's a, he is a war hawk. He's, a, he's as bad as Hillary Clinton. He wants to drop bombs on someone on day one. He'll be yeah. We'll be back in a couple wars when Joey gets back in. Uh, who prop? Give me the fifty bucks, uh, Father Nix. <laughs> I'm gonna win that. I'm gonna win that bet uh, on Biden's gonna be in. Everyone's holding on to this thread. I don't know if it's hope or just wishful thinking. I know you don't want Joey in, but it's gonna. Well, you're gonna get the poke either way. You're seeing it now. Yeah, uh, I got it. People are upset at me for saying that. I'm going, what, what? Who's in charge of warp speed? Who's in charge of the poke right now? Who put money in Moderna? Uh, again, you're not saying that, you know, I'm not saying I want Joey in, but we're getting this here with the guy you guys want to keep stay in there. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. I don't get there's one thing you guys can't see the window, but I can and the people out on YouTube can see it. Whenever you talk, Steve, your window is just dancing. I think that this is a YouTube conspiracy to try to discredit you. <laughs> the Russians are are on me. I had a tweet earlier. You know, the, the Russians <laughs> were the Russians were our enemy and then they were our friends and then they are our enemy. I can't even keep up with what are we pro Russia or anti Russia these Frenemies. days? Frenemies. <laughs> Democrats, Democrats admired Russians, and they taught Bolshevik uh, philosophy in schools until the Russians supposedly hacked our unhackable election system in '16, and that was an act of war. Uh, but then now, nowadays, because you can't actually hack the election system because it's it's perfectly intact, um, the Russians <laughs> are our friends again. Anyway, all right, um, moving on. We there. Okay, there was an ugly nativity. We all talked about this last week a little bit. I don't have a picture of it. It looks like a warlock or like a Lego or or some kind of weird Fisher Earth Price Theater. thing. <laughs> it looks like a can. Have you guys <laughs> ever seen that nativity set where – do you remember like when it was either Pepsi or Coke? I forget which. They were putting out like oh, personalized yeah. <laughs> cans and you, they, they had one that said like Jesus and one in Mary. And they had like they had, <laughs> they had like one that said Joseph. That would have been an improvement. The Pepsi cans, <laughs> the Coke cans, whatever. 
It just yeah. shows how out of touch we are on what beautiful means. I mean, there was a guy as a professional Catholic uh, going around on YouTube or, or Facebook and uh, Twitter talking about how beautiful this church is. Everything's beautiful. And he's in a doggone, it looks like a uh, was an Ikea uh, church. I mean, it's ugly as sin, as the book is, which anybody hasn't read that book. It's, a, it's, just, it's a great book. But we don't even know what the word beautiful is. If everything's beautiful, then nothing's beautiful. Everything's just That's ugly. Funny. And we got that ugly doggone thing out there which it's almost like he's trolling us like i think he is uh, i think he is and this was unveiled like a week after the photo up with the two popes in white with the red shoes and and uh the cardinals are all kissing two rings and they're literally trolling us brother martin saint thomas aquinas says that beauty is objective Beauty is objective. It's not in the eyes of the beholder. There are certain aspects of beauty that are objective. It is proportionate. There, like there are, there are, there are exactly. points of view on beauty. You are have have been doing a lot uh, to beautify your altar that only basically you and a couple other people see for the greater honor and glory of God. Talk to us about beauty in churches. Yes. Well, so Aquinas says, "Eat quote bestium plagiat that which is seen is pleased uh, pleaseth." Um, basically, I mean it takes into consideration that you're living a virtuous life, that you want order, that you want to order your life according to, to truth. Um, and when you see truth, when you see an object that is perfectly ordered uh, according to its design, the design of its creator, it, it gives some sort of pleasure, especially when it's the uh, divine reason that orders uh, such an object like a, like a dog or a cat. Whenever you see a dog purely being a dog, it, it inspires something in you. It, it moves you. Uh, it inspires some a sense of beauty. And so when we – exactly, like Brother Chewy um, – Anyway, so when we talk about like the nativity scene, um, this is something that we've all created mental images about uh, to inspire us to, to, to practice what the Holy Family uh, communicates to us, divine revelation-wise, in our own homes. That's one of the whole reasons uh, why the nativity scene became popular, because here we see a, a Saint Joseph, we see the, Our Lady, the Virgin Mary, we see an infant Jesus, and we all want to live this in our lives. Now, when you take those, those images and distort them so they look like Star Wars characters, that's not going to inspire anybody. God created the Holy Family as, as somewhat of a, a, a place that we could all become saints from within. It, instead, it just makes it seem like a mockery of, of the family. Um, and so, I mean, in regard to churches, that's also why we have sacred space, is, is uh, so we can, in a sense, step into heaven, step out of this world, uh, and be inspired. I'm trying to keep up with like two chats here, guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we okay. We're, we're chatting with brother in Skype right now. There's a live chat happening on YouTube. We are taking your comments and questions and injecting them into the shows. And then I full screen brother so that I could like you know scratch my nose and stuff and not have to do that on camera. And he can see me doing that. So there's a lot of uh, we're throwing a lot at you in your monastery there, brother. So it's uh, I get it. It's like sensory overload. Inside uh, baseball, everyone tries to mess with the other one. <laughs> yeah. so, brother, bro, brother, I lost. <laughs> All right. Um, what? There's oh, please that, do, wait, Ryan. Can please. I add one thing before we move on from? Yeah. Uh, 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 cut my rant short because brother covered half of what I was going to say. But um, you know, when you look at traditional architecture you look at uh, you know wh- whether you're talking about like an early romanesque style you're talking about gothic you're talking about baroque by the way but all of these things are beautiful because they're they become they're a, meant to be a microcosm you know like a mini universe like a little an image of the whole of god's creation and you have the sanctuary with the high altar kind of sweeping up 
toward toward God. And so there's 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 an objective beauty there because the purpose of sacred architecture is to draw the mind up. That's why we have usually large spaces. Okay, and so the same the Eastern Orthodox have the exact same concept. Right, and so they have a different way of executing it, but it also has beauty. Right, the whole idea of sweeping your mind up toward God. There's a lot of gold. There's a lot of other things in the iconography, and it's meant to be a microcosm. That's the idea of, of it. That's beauty, objectively. Same thing in art, uh, whether you're talking about sculpture or you're talking about uh, you know oil painting or whatever. And there's different ways to do it. And there's different ways to work the iconography, to work in the the imagery, the ideas, the things that people recognize. Recognized to set, suggest the sake host to uh, raise us up. It's supposed to be the dignity that raises us up uh, out of this world, and you know, and provides that sense of the mind that it is taking us. And there's an objective beauty in it. There, there's different ways you can do that, and there's not one style of say Renaissance art or, or iconography or whatever that becomes the be all and end all to the exclusion of all others. But there is a sense in which those are beautiful. And then you get to other things which I'm not a fan of, but can still accomplish, like uh, impressionism, surrealism, all these things. They have the capacity, actually, to communicate sacred messages. And you see various talented people like Salvador Dali really pull that off well, I think. Um, Not my particular genre, but I'm not going to bash it as not being art. Then you get to postmodernism in art. And that's what this Vatican nativity scene is. It's postmodernism. We use the term modernism in art a little differently than we do in theology. But it's, um, you know, but it's going in a similar direction, right? Postmodernism, it's no talent. There's no principles. There's no rules. There's no sense of ennobling human nature, ennobling us through the medium, um, lifting the mind up to God, who is the, the archetype of all beauties, the very notion of beauty itself, right? So there's none of that going on. Instead, you have this kind of weird mess of things. Oh, yeah, because we're a mess. And therefore, you know, yeah, humans aren't perfect. So we need art that's not perfect. We need all these things that are just, and there's no talent that goes into a lot of these things. It's just a big kind of, you know, like they, they always talk about that one, one person who was criticizing this showed his colleagues this this collage of colors, just splotches. And everyone's like, oh, wow, new, bold, amazing. He's like, that's my apron. But he just took a picture of it up close so you couldn't tell. And and that's where we are in postmodernism and art. And so the Vatican nativity scene is that. And when you think about it, why are we upset? Why do we expect anything different? Look at the liturgy that forms them. And look at the liturgical celebrations that happen. And papal liturgies are some of the most abusive liturgies, even by Novus Ordo standards, that have ever been produced. And surprise when they're producing art that reflects the the lack of this notion of beauty and sacredness and order. So that was a great rant. Um, why are we surprised? That that is the big takeaway, I think. Why 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 even bother pretending to be surprised at this point? And why and and, and honestly, in, in some ways, like why bother even bringing it up in a podcast like this and dwelling on it when you know it's just it's just disappointment after disappointment or whatever. Um, so I, that's a, that's a good point. We have one more story to get to before we get to our predictions, and that is <laughs> we haven't talked about – we have not talked about the bartender AOC in a long time on this show. The bartending uh, economic genius AOC now is defending adult work as legitimate work, and uh, she thinks that first responders who have uh, you know a little something on the side, subscription service you might say – 
is uh, a sign of the times and that they should be paid more, but that, but that the work, the side job that they're doing is legitimate work. And this is mainstream now. This is like mainstream opinion, yeah? And shocker, the feminists aren't for feminism. Uh, they don't mind having women being out, out there exploiting themselves for money or doing things no, like they this. Have no, they it's, have no concept for the dignity of a woman. The, the feminism hates femininity. Feminism destroys yeah, they, the dignity of women. It convinces them that unless they're out uh, getting manicures uh, with their with their latte in their hand on their way to a board meeting, that they're not self-actualizing. It's funny you brought up that too, and all I've heard on the podcast, I've listened to about twenty podcasts from the Reset podcast series. I know it penance, and uh, it's you thing, and that's all they're talking about is. Uh, women, women, women leading this, leading that, being in charge of here, being in charge of that. Uh, Pope Francis's book, I actually read it. It he's Why? he's a. What? Why did you read it? <laughs> uh, well, Doctor Marshall mentioned it said he read the introduction and said it was the Catholic reset, and uh, I wanted to read it anyways just because I wanted to see what he had to say with Klaus because him and Klaus are. Uh, pretty much in on the whole. I, I don't know who's in charge. If Francis is in charge of WEF or clauses or what? Part of me thinks that Francis is pull is a uh, uh, telling Klaus what to do. But that's that's just me, my own personal opinion. Because everything's about Rodato say and a lot of a lot of yeah, see and everything else is coming out with Francis is talking about from back in the day. But uh, he brings up in one of and I don't think it's a Catholic research book. It's just. It's a waste of a tree, is what it is. Industrial revolution stuff at the end. Anyway, and even talks about how all the places where the crisis hit, the recovery where the women are in charge is fantastic. It's great. We need to get more women involved and in charge and running mm -hmm. things like this. So there's a, a ton of feministic movement in the in this book, in the youth movement thing that's on YouTube right now. Uh, in the uh, Fourth Industrial Revolution, I listened to a podcast this morning from the 23rd of October that basically uh, they were saying how it's sad that women are being uh, 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 out, basically hurt worse than men because they have to be the caretakers and now they have to work at home. And how are you going to get them back in the workforce after all this is over? Uh, and for eyes to see, something weird going on with all this devote devotion towards yeah, women in the it's, workplace. It's definitely, it's definitely part of uh, some larger agenda. And most people are aware of it. That, that There are some people in the live chat who are like, what, what? Women can't have coffee and do their nails? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that your worth <laughs> as a human being is not defined by those things. That you're not a failure if you, if, if you merely keep a brood of children alive during the day, teach them something, and pray with them at night. That is not, <laughs> that is not an underachievement. That is, that is overachieving is what that is. Right. <laughs> well, and Hugo mentions the addiction of porn. You get these guys hooked on porn, you're in control. As was E. Michael Jones' book talks yeah. about political... Uh, uh, control through pornography. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Gentlemen, it is time for our predictions for 2021. 
And uh, this is something that Ryan suggested that we do in lieu of our unpopular opinions. So this will go out on a Twitter poll. I would ask you, if you are on Twitter and you are going to vote in this thing, if you're watching this, have mercy on me, a poor sinner. I've never won one of these Twitter polls. And I can't even post on Twitter right now. Why? Because I oppose the vaccine. So Twitter took me off. I can't even defend myself. So when the poll comes out, Consider giving a pity vote for RTF Media. Uh, with that being said, as <laughs> I want to jump first to Ryan because I think I know you've been preparing your unpopular prediction for 2021. This was your idea. You get to go first, sir. Okay. Well, the problem with an unpopular with, with any kind of prediction is, well, which one? Why is it about COVID? Because unfortunately, it has become the the dominant thing. And, and some of it doesn't take too much effort or a crystal ball to really see where it's actually heading. So my particular prediction is, excuse me, uh, if anyone hasn't read 1984 by George Orwell, and we talk about Orwellian, we use terms all the time from it. A lot of people have never actually read the book. I highly suggest you do it um, because Wilson, who's the main character, he works at the Ministry of Truth. Truth. And one of his jobs is to memory hold things. So when they basically decide that what happened needs to be rewritten, it's inconvenient now, and it gets plugged down the memory hole. And you never, you know, and then it's now you don't find the real facts. Now the real facts have been completely destroyed, rewritten, and replaced with government-approved facts. So it... So anyway, these sorts of things are, are already happening right now as more and more of all your media is going digital. Um, I've been saying for years in private conversations with people and in other places that the Internet, is, as we know it, is on its last leg, as it is already. I mean, like like Mike is just mentioning, he said something uh, that, tw- that uh, Jack over there on Twitter didn't like or Jake or whatever his name is. And he uh, now is his platform has killed Mike's ability to, to speak freely for how dare he say something that they don't like. Right. And so the Internet itself is going in that direction and all it's waiting for to come back with all sorts of restrictions is an I-911, as it were. Yeah, um, you know, so something that some kind of terrorist activity uh, you know, it, it, they might even link it up with right-wing homegrown terrorism in order to get more gun control and more um, identification, all these sorts of things. So what will end up happening is your Internet will go away and they'll, it'll all be brought down so they can bring in, you know, the changes. So then when it comes up, if you want in, you're going to need your ID. You're probably going to need proof of your vaccination just to use the Internet. I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't come around. It might be an opt-in thing. You get all these apps and whatnot. Eventually, it will be mandatory. Okay, and you know anything that's said and shared on the internet, um, you know, the, is going to be under you know, basically under their control. When they decide to rewrite it, they will. Such as uh, right now, if you look up the Tuskegee Airmen, I think it's archive.org, unless I'm mistaken, uh, or they have a note that this information is being verified, not the Tuskegee Airmen, the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, which has already been admitted that the government took black men uh, and injected them knowingly with syphilis just to see what happened. And the vast majority of them died. Oh, boy, uh, who would have thought? And, you know, just for some mad science experiment, basically, apologize for well now they're rewriting that because well we can't have 
uh, information that makes a government look bad come around because you need to love and worship supreme leaders. So anyway, so my prediction for 2020 is the Internet, as you know, it is dead, uh, is going to be gone. It'll, and uh, anything you don't have in physical media, anything you haven't already downloaded, saved and archived, anything you don't have in a nice form like a book, shameless plug, see what I did there, but anyone's books, any kind of information that you get, used books, books from 100 years ago, if you don't have it on your shelf, you don't have it. The cloud is just somebody else's computer, and when that goes down, you don't have it. So that's that's my pre prediction. That is trend. a that is that is a serious uh, prediction, and it's although it's a bit self serving since you are a book publisher. <laughs> Don't just buy my books; just go get books. <laughs> no, no, that's 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 uh, sobering. That's sobering. Look, this is not a competition to outdo each other because mine's a little more. Uh, mine is a very specific prediction, but uh, who wants to go next, brother or Steve? Steve, you can go. Go, on, bro. No, thank you. Let's get to brother. Mine uh kind of cheating here a little bit only because I have a lot of inside information. Uh, so get ready. Inside information coming at you. I think in, in 2021, I think the Oblates of St. Augustine are going to get huge. Going to get huge. Um, doing well in fundraising. We've got a lot of people contacting, a lot of vocational inquiries. Um, matter of fact, we're helping. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's it, man. I, 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 you know I, what? You get you win the brevity award. Okay, I, I, I you win the brevity award. Think a little bit of, of hope here. We have a traditional monastery growing, founding prayer, penance, traditional Catholicism. We're gonna teach the faith, all that kind of stuff. So, no matter how how much the world is exploding around us, there's gonna be at least one uh, one little light of hope. Uh, somewhere in the in, in the continental United States. So there you go. Oh, this is okay. It. All right. I'm going to go next, Steve, because mine is related to what brother just said. And I know that you're just going to knock it out of the park and uh, depress all of us. So <laughs> I want to get my little mini, my, my mini red pill in. Maybe it's a black pill. I don't, I can't, I can't keep up with all the colors of the pill. Somebody the other day said purple pill. I'm like, how many pills are there? <laughs> anyway, uh, here's my prediction for 2021. Um, I think that uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, Pope Benedict Emeritus, whatever you want to call the man, he will die in 2021. I don't know why. I, I'm not saying that he's, you know, look, I just think it's going to happen. And when it does, one of the very first things that they've been plotting to do is to undo Samorum Pontificum. They will, with a stroke of a pen, say that bishops can control all of the Latin masses happening in their diocese. And so all of these indult masses, they, they view this as an existential threat to them. The fact that most young seminarians want to learn the Latin mass, want to be traditional priests, wear the cassock, and live the traditional spirituality of the Catholic Church, that is, an, that is a generational and existential threat to modernism. They won't do it while Benedict's alive, but when he dies, they'll do it. They've paved the way for it. They've already done studies. They know exactly how many Latin masses there are. They see that we are in what feels from the inside like a renaissance. Of course, from the outside, we're still statistically insignificant. Never forget that. But um, I do think that in 2021, if you go to a diocesan Latin mass, that is on the chopping block. And even if you go to one of the orders... 
that has to report to these bishops, and therefore they're already sort of hobbled, that could be in jeopardy as well. So if 2020 wasn't a gut punch to you and this COVID-1984 hysteria and the political nonsense of, a, of an election that was hacked, but even though elections can't be hacked because we learned that in 2016, um, and the impeachment of a president and whatever, and all, all the other stuff that's happening, including the recession and the deficit spending and the financial crisis, which is to come, which I'm not going to predict for 2021, but it's coming. Um, if that wasn't enough, they are going to take away your mask. If you lost it for Easter, some of you are losing it for Christmas. A lot of you are going to lose it forever, depending on where you go. That's a sad prediction, right? But at least you'll have the oblates. You'll have the yeah. oblates as, a, as, a, as you said, as a candle amidst the darkness of 2021. So that is, there's some good news to temper with the, uh, with the mailstorm coming. Steve, wrap it up, baby. Uh, do you have my Clever Lane uh, video ready? <laughs> <laughs> Clever, if anybody doesn't know what that is, uh, I guess I'm dating myself again from all the songs that I was talking about earlier. But uh, Rocky, when Rocky Three, his prediction, pain. Uh, yeah, 2021, if you thought 2020 was bad, 2021 is going to be worse. Uh, you're going to get the reset coming in you pretty hard. You're going to have the cyber attacks come through. You're going to get the pokey from all over. Uh, the robots will end up taking out people's jobs. Uh, I know that just sounds like Terminator. I was just I was listening to the, like the, the like yesterday with the hack with the missile, the nuclear silos. That's the first thing I thought of was Skynet just went online. Uh, yeah, prediction uh, pain. Uh, be prepared. Get holy. Pray more. Uh, protect your priests. But get out and fight. Um, don't just complain on Twitter. Do something about it. Uh, I know on my end, you've seen everyone's seen what the months on my channel's been. We've kind of, I don't want to say evolved, but I've done more uh, things on the top, on the current events. I'm risking the whole doggone thing for what's going on just to share the info, what I find for with other people. So I'm not stopping. Uh, I don't know about everyone else. I'm sure you guys aren't doing that too, but uh, we got to fight, if not for yourselves, but for your family and kids, especially. But uh, you got to go down swinging on this. Help your priests, educate them on what's going on. It's going to get ugly. Uh, and ugly is probably being charitable. If we don't do this, we don't do anything. Uh, who knows what humanity is going to look at? I mean, they're literally talking about changing the way we define what humanity is. Uh, that doesn't get your you know, Irish up in a sense. I don't know what will, but uh, it's going to be painful, but we're Catholic. Uh, I don't know any saint that slept on a beautiful Serta and lived a comfy life. Uh, there was always pain and suffering in their lives. Thank God that we're, thank the good Lord that he thought us courageous enough to live in these times and uh, do something about it. You got a great opportunity. Uh, study up. Faith-wise and secular-wise, back up the priests like Colonel Burke just did the other day. Back him up. There's secular guys supporting him for what he said. And, uh, yeah, be prepared for a long, long, dark winter, as, as they, they keep saying. This is the segment where we where we do some plugs. We got to end <laughs> on a good note. And, and this is – listen, if you got something to grift, whip it out at this point, gentlemen. I mean, this is the point – <laughs> In the show where if you've watched this entire thing 
you are a diehard rundown fan. This may be the last rundown show of 2020. Uh, I hope not. I hope maybe we can we can assemble the troops and uh, and bring you something before Christmas next week, but we'll see. Looks like Ryan's reaching over his shoulder for a book. I know Brother Martin is grifter in chief here amongst the four of us, like ready, <laughs> ready to grift. I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, since uh, the Holy Father put out a year of St. Joseph, it came out late enough that none of the big groups were able to put out a calendar because they already had their calendars. And uh, so if you go to Zazzle, I was able to put a calendar together with a bunch of St. Joseph photos. It does have the new right calendar and the traditional right calendar all the same on the blocks uh, to get the more people. So, uh, yeah, if you want a St. Joseph calendar for 2021, just go to the link, Zazzle. It, uh, it does it. I have no inventory. I don't control the price. They do that for me. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. But, uh, yeah, if you want a good calendar. I saw I saw you putting that out. I, I was wondering what that was. So you got the year of St. Joseph calendar. That's pretty cool. Brother? So two things. One, I finally figured out on PayPal how to be able to sign up for a recurring monthly donation on our website. So at obligacinaugustin.com slash giving, you can go and donate just once or set up a recurring monthly donation. Um, also, calendars, they've already flown off the shelves. I got 100 of these printed, and now I'm sold out. Um, so I'm getting another batch printed, uh, Augustinian Rite calendar, or Augustinian, uh, an Augustinian traditional 355 calendar. So uh, if you want to follow along with our community, what we're playing is thanks for playing. It also has, uh, if, you're, if you don't have an open to St. Augustine chapel near you, which you probably don't, um, it has an, what, what you would see um, on your, in your missile uh, every single day as well, in addition to the Augustinian saint whenever an Augustinian saint occurs. So those are just 12 bucks. Basically, it's the cost of the printing, the calendar, and shipping. So uh, there you go. Ryan is seated. He's got something in his hands. <laughs> it sounded like – were you, were so you chopping have, the tree down of, to print uh, that real quick, or what, what was happening? <laughs> no, I just got it back in stock. I haven't had it in stock in quite a while. The Pious Union of St. Joseph. Yeah. And it's a great little devotional book for the dying. And so it has prayers for the dying and those who have died for ways to follow along at mass, um, ways, you know, extra, you know, prayers, litanies, all sorts of things uh, to basically to unite yourself with St. Joseph for the sake of those who are dying. So since we're going into the year of St. Joseph, uh, good way to do it. Then um, I have these in stock still. People probably figured I was out. Uh, since we're talking about moral theology, I do a hardcover of... Uh, St. Alphonsus, uh, Moral Theology, and I've that got is like gold. four sets in hardcover, and I've got more in paperback. So that is I've gold, got... Ryan. Especially the, 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 the St. Alphonsus. Can I, can I just interject? I just want to say one thing. I, there are, I know I've got a bunch of friends who are all getting advanced degrees in theology at various institutions in the United States, from coast to coast, at, 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 at high-profile places like Notre Dame, and et cetera. These people are taking graduate level courses in moral theology and don't know who the moral doctor is, St. Alphonsus Liguori. I mean, how sick is that? Sorry, go ahead. I'm actually going to be on with Trad Patrick to talk about that particular subject to later today. So anyway, 
Last thing I've got is I've got a bunch of these back in. Um, I just filled all the back orders I had on these hard on the hardcover of the Sparago Catechism, so I actually have it back in for a change. Because normally, when I, as soon as it shows up, it's back out the door in a box going to someone. So that one uh, I finally got ahead of the back orders, so I have it in stock. Uh, I mean, Do I you can know still the get prices off the top of your head. Me. People are asking in the chat prices for these things. Oh. Bye bye. Um, this one isn't because of its size is expensive, so I believe, unless I'm mistaken, it's about forty-five for the hardcover. For the paperback, it's thirty-two. Uh, there's a census fidelium discount on the paperback. If um, go back through the video we did with Father Ripiger, I think it's there. Uh, Pius Union to St. Joseph, I think, is like fifteen dollars. So that's an easier one, and I can get it to you before Christmas because I got all these guys. So it's only a few dollars. It's like seven dollars for this or something like that. Eight dollars. Um, what else did I show up? Uh, I forget. This is expensive. Um, I don't even remember what the price is. It is expensive though for the hardcover paperback. <laughs> it's pretty expensive. Bucks. I think I got one of your last like used kind of beat up versions of it. So I, I'm, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's awesome. I, for me, for 2021, I just want to continue RTF. I hope I don't get deplatformed, but I am going to continue to say what needs to be said, uh, regardless of what comes. I have, uh, I, I have an, a couple announcements tonight, 9 p.m. Central. I've got Kennedy Hall coming on, and we are going to dissect the psychology of the mask. It's probably going to be a 90-minute to two-hour deliberate discussion about the psychology. And breaking news, I got this text message this morning from Father Trevor Burfitt in Los Angeles, SSPX. He's the guy who went to war with Governor Newsom and won. He's the one who got – he's the only church in Los Angeles now – who is exempt from COVID-1984 orders. Uh, everyone else is still in doing their tent revivals. And Father Trevor Burf is going to come on to talk about why we Catholics need to fight and how we can fight and win. This is The Rundown. Thank you for watching. God bless you. Take care. Take care.